She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 17. EBE. EBE. Extraterrestrial Biological Entity. Sound like we might be doing aliens. Yes, yes, yes. It does sound like aliens. I can't imagine what else that could be. Yeah, I mean, it could be... Uh... Well, most of the things I can think of aren't things I should say on the podcast. So <laughs> let's find out if we're right. All right. So this episode was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, and it was directed by William Graham. It was filmed in Vancouver and Surrey, British Columbia. Its original air date was February 18th, 1994. And it had a viewership of approximately 10 and a half million in the United States. So we actually don't have like million numbers for this episode. We just have like the ratings and share numbers, but going back and looking at those and doing comparisons, it's probably somewhere in the range of about 10 and a half million for this episode. Nice. Yeah. So in this episode, after a truck driver has a close encounter, Mulder and Scully try to interview him, but they find themselves getting locked out of the investigation and worse, they're being bugged. Deep Throat gives Mulder a clue, but it's unclear if he's trying to help or hinder Mulder's search for the truth. Hmm. So it does sound like aliens. It does. And am I right or am I right? But I think Scully's the one who's bugging in this episode. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. All right. So episode starts, the skies of Iraq, 17th parallel, present day. And we've got a fighter pilot, an Iraqi fighter pilot, I should specify. And he's flying a jet through the sky. And then he sees like this light out of his window. And then it kind of just starts moving around. And he's looking, but there's nothing on his radar. And then it zooms away. And then like there's some bright lights as well. And so he radios down to traffic control. And like they don't see anything. They're like, are you, are you sure your bearings are correct? Because we don't see anything. And then the bright light comes back. And then he's like, ah. And then all of a sudden, like the radar control lights just like all kinds of things start flashing on the radar control and they're like you're under attack you're under attack so he puts on his mask and he starts flipping switches and he's locking on targets and he fires the missile and he's like boom there's a big explosion he's like i got it i got it i got it and then we cut down we don't cut down and then we cut Hakari <laughs> turkey nato surveillance station on the turkey iraq border and there's some soldiers they leap out of bed because there's we hear this <laughs> like something crashed right so they look outside and there are woods for some reason in turkey and they look like vancouver woods but anyway and they see a down plane or something and so they call it in and they're like well there was nothing on your radar and they're like well there was something out there we're gonna go out there and then x-files 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 theme song so yeah um there's totally not pine trees in turkey i mean there actually are in turkey but they're like on the northern coast, not like at the Turkey Iraq border, um, and they're probably not pine trees either. But I mean, you know, I guess you film, yeah. can film. That was just like they could have like looked for something. They could have gone stereotypical and been like, "Oh, look, it's a desert. It's some hills." But now they have like these huge like conifer trees. And it's like um, <laughs> that looks like Turkey. Totally. Yeah. Okay. To be fair, I've never been to Turkey, so I really don't know. <laughs> well, I did look it up because my first instinct was like. Dude, I'm sure there aren't like conifer trees in Turkey, and like in that area, there definitely aren't. There are some, but they're all like on the on the in the northern border. So yeah, they're not like at the Iraq border. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't just being stereotypical and being like it's the desert because it's the Middle East. Um, yeah, but 
<laughs> in that area, there are not those kind of trees. So okay. It is a real city, though. Credit for that. Because uh, the next city is not real. Oh, that actually makes sense. Oh, actually, I was thinking of a different episode. Never mind. That still makes sense. There are episodes where lots of cities aren't real and some yeah. in the wrong place. So, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Well, because you don't want to, like, say bad stuff about a city that's, like, real and then have those people get mad. I mean, I say stuff about real people that's bad all the time. I'm going to do true. that so too. So, foreshadowing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So it is 12.20 a.m. Central Time on Route 100 in Reagan, te- Tennessee. I almost said Texas because Reagan, te- I don't know if it sounded right. Reagan, Tennessee. Reagan, Texas does sound right. Yeah, I wonder if there is a Reagan, Texas. There might be. So a big rig is driving down Route 100 and the driver is like listening to his radio and he has the CB radio also. So he has both of them and he kind of looks over and he's got this gun on his seat and he kind of the camera focuses ominously on this gun and he starts to get radio interference. So he's like changing the channel and then he finds like a good signal and then it kind of goes out. And then on his CB radio, he hears people talking about seeing one over a tower and in the sky. And, you know, as they're talking about seeing one of these things, that's not really identified. His truck loses power and the engine shuts off and he struggles to get the truck kind of stopped on the side of the road. But, you know, because big rigs, they take a while. They have a lot of momentum. So he gets out with his gun and he kind of goes around the side of the truck and he's looking around and there's this UFO hovering in the sky above him. And the back of his truck is open. I couldn't tell if he opened it or if it like opened by itself. It was kind of weird. But he's looking into the truck and he sees something move in the shadows and then he just fires his gun into the back of the truck. Mm. so reagan texas is a real city oh um, is it it's actually about 40 miles southeast of waco okay it is it is a real i guess the city is probably it's a real town in texas so yeah nice um, but yeah not in tennessee but the cb voices on this are like god-awful parody it's like they hired me to do the voices for the cb radio it's really <laughs> it's like when i did my uh when i did my voices uh in eve about the uh truckers who weren't rednecks in that episode (laughs) so yeah anyway so then Mulder and scully were basically the same scene but time has changed we don't know how much time has changed we don't get a little headline for that but Mulder and scully are at the scene where the trucker stopped and Mulder has two stopwatches and a geiger counter and so he starts the two clocks and he puts one down and then he goes and looks at stuff and scully is all like the shape that the driver fired on could have been a cougar and the truck could have been hit by lightning which cut the power and the sightings could have been swamp gas (laughs) and just all this stuff and Mulder's like there's too many sightings and too much evidence for the series of ufo sightings and i've studied sightings like these and he lists off the whole place including like you know okaboji which scully should know she was there but he actually he says okaboji falls not lake okaboji so oh. i don't know if that's like a different thing I, I just heard i was just like okaboji so oh okay hmm i don't maybe there's an, i don't know if there's an okaboji falls but <laughs> y'all google during the next segment and find out so <laughs> but like you know radiation the sightings cars losing power Mulder's like that also meets all the stuff that handles the ufo sightings and then he shows scully the two stopwatches that he had started and stopped at the same time, but they no longer match. They're off by like, I think like 10. I don't know what the numbers are actually referring to in that thing, if they're seconds or if they're fractions of seconds. So, but they're off, they're off enough 
that, you know, it's not just like he hit the buttons at the wrong time. Yeah. And then he's like, hmm. But we know that time is an universal invariant, right? I mean, it's not, but that's like the ongoing joke that's probably unintentional, but that's <laughs> so that's the scene was like, I don't know, like Scully, like just like rattling off like this checklist of like ways to say that UFO sightings aren't real and Mulder with his checklist of, well, here's another explanation of why they are real. It was like, oh, we're expecting new viewers. Let's run through all like who these characters are and what they obviously believe in this scene it was kind of like oh god which i mean you have to do for tv and i kind of thought it was funny because like swamp gas is like the worst explanation for ufos that gets thrown around i mean some of it makes sense but it was kind of i liked hearing her explain it and then Mulder going no this was not that (laughs) it it, it just seemed really like oh yeah if this is your first episode let's yeah yeah you immediately know that she's the one who doesn't believe and he's the one who's got all the evidence and yeah and they never like he picks up some stuff on the ground that looks kind of like like ashy stuff a little bit but like we never find out anything about what that is that's true yeah obviously it's something because he's like oh and they focus on it but we never get any discussion we don't go back to it all in this episode so yeah which won't be the first thing that is like that anyway (laughs) maybe they got distracted there's a lot going on in this episode it's pretty busy all right so Mulder and scully then we kind of cut to them interviewing the truck driver and his name's ranheim and he says that he saw green and orange lights so he's explaining what happened and Mulder's like oh that's weird because like last night you said you saw something cigar shaped and black so like your story's changing and the truck driver coughs and scully pours him a glass of water and she asks how long he's had the cough And he's like, why does it matter? And he has a rash, a fever, a cough. And Scully notes that these are symptoms of Gulf War syndrome. And Mulder asks how long he's like not been himself, quote unquote. And he's just like, since last night. So like he's claiming that all these symptoms are new. And then the police chief comes in and he like interrupts the interview. And he's like, no, I'm done with this. You're out. And Mulder's like, no, we, you know, like, I want to examine the truck before we leave. And like, the police chief is like, no, we're no longer cooperating with your investigation. And when he asks why, he just like, he's like, go away, you're out. And so Scully starts to say something. And then Mulder's like, no, not here. Like, he doesn't want to argue with them anymore there, I guess, or he's worried about being overheard. But anyway, they leave. So in Google News, I got excited because I typed in Okoboji Falls and something popped up that said Okoboji Falls, Texas. And I was like, oh my God, Texas again. But it turned out it was just that the words matched. It was There's no Okoboji Falls in Texas either with the X-Files spelling or the actual spelling. The only Okoboji is the Sioux City one. Okay. So, yeah. Sadly. Not real. Yeah. So, so the dude like grabbed Mulder and then also like like shoulder bumped him when he left i'm like dude what the heck like what's your problem i know yeah he's pretty aggressive and it's weird because like clearly he's given them permission to come in and interview this guy or at least like knows they're there and then like just mid-interview he storms in and he's like we're done with this it's like okay buddy calm down yeah and like we've dealt with this before in several episodes actually Um, i know we did it in jersey devil for sure but like can local jurisdictions be like, hey, FBI, just leave. We don't want you here. Because, like, usually you hear about, like, local jurisdictions are like, oh, the feds came in. They just steamrolled us. And, like, we don't have any control over that. And it's like, but, like, in the X-Files, it seems like, like, locals are like, like, hey, you feds, just leave. And they're like, okay. And they just leave. <laughs> so. I wonder how much it depends on whether or not, like, 
like what department of the FBI is insisting and maybe because Mulder's with the X-Files, maybe he has less weight to throw around. I don't know. Uh, maybe we get a little bit of some deep throat throwback in this one, which is maybe a, not a good sign, depending on what I thought about deep throat. But because because like um, when they're interviewing Ranheim, who they're like, "Ooh, German rock. But no, not that kind of that's not Ram. That's, that's Ramstein. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Ramstein. Yeah. He has he has he's all rashy and stuff like Colonel Budahas, remember he had like the really, like we don't know with Colonel Budahas if that was like rashes or if it was burns or what it was when his skin was all trashed in the beginning, remember? But this guy has got yeah. like, he's all rashy and he's like kind of, he's not really sweaty, but you can tell he's been sweaty. He's kind of like, he glistens a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The cough and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I didn't actually make that connection right away, but you're right, like it is kind of similar. I wonder, and I'm, I would kind of bet that's supposed to be intentional given what we learn about him later. Well, because he wasn't he wasn't like that in the earlier scene when he was like stop the truck and yeah, did, right. No, that's true. And so, in a way, it's almost like 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 it's radiation per mm-hmm. maybe possibly. Um, maybe. I doubt with Budahas what the issue was because next time we see him, he's totally well. He's not totally fine, but he's not he's not all scaby. And then, um, so maybe we'll find out on this one, or maybe we won't. I don't. <laughs> well, I do know, but anyway. <laughs> oh, they're at a car rental location i think it's actually a name brand car rental location and i'm not going to mention them and they're turning in their car and then getting on a bus for some reason yeah i would just so i'm i would just drive back and turn in my car in dc yeah so i'm not sure maybe maybe it was an airport shuttle because when they're wherever they are in tennessee and so maybe it's like the rental place is not oh. airport, and so they got to get a shuttle to like the terminal. That actually makes a lot of sense because, like, I mean, they could take a bus, but it would just take so much longer. And it's Tennessee, so why wouldn't they fly? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe X Files budget's getting cut. <laughs> you gotta take the Greyhound now. Levins is like, you guys can go, but you're taking the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Greyhound, too bad. No, but I'm thinking maybe it's like an airport shuttle or something. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mulder's like, someone got to the chief of police and stuff like this. And so while they're like signing, like some woman's all like, oh, hey, can I borrow your pen? And so Scully's like, yeah, sure, here's my pen. And then she like gives it back later and they lead and they get on the bus. And then, you know, Mulder's like, well, maybe it was a classified aircraft or it's a weapon or something like that. And that's what made Ranheim sick. And so there's, you know, something going on. And he's like, he's going to go talk to some people when he gets back to Washington. And they publish a magazine called Lone Gunman. And they like to talk about covert actions and classified weapons. And he's like, and some of their ideas are outright spooky. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> it's a little, okay. Anyway, I was really excited. To see, I needed this so badly. Like I watched this the day after the election. This was my like distraction. And I was like, I needed these guys so much. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so Mulder and Scully are at the office of the lone gunman, which yay. Uh, and the lone gunman, just for reference, I had to look up their names cause I couldn't remember except for Frohickey. He's like the only one I can remember. So their names are Richard Ringo Langley. He's the blonde guy with glasses, Melvin Frohickey and Jonathan Fitzgerald Byers. And Byers is the one who kind of looks like he's selling insurance. Right. Okay. And so Langley is the one who looks like Garth from. Yes. Um, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So Langley, so they're at the office and Langley's like, yeah, I had breakfast with the guy who shot JFK from the grassy knoll. 
And Byers is talking about how the CIA dreams of having another Cold War for power. And Scully kind of argues with him, and she's like, you're giving the government way too much credit. Like, they couldn't orchestrate all this. They're not that organized. And Frohickey says Scully's hot, because <laughs> he's Frohickey. And so Byers is, like, talking about controlling our every move. And so Scully's like, how would they do that? And he asks for a $20 bill, which she hands him. And he rips it open. And he pulls out the magnetic, like, strip that's inside and holds it up. And he's like, this will track people. Every time you go through a metal detector, it sends off a signal and things. And Scully argues that it's just, like, an anti-counterfeit measure. And then Langley's like, well, then why don't they put it on the outside like other countries do? And Mulder's like, hey, guys, it's a federal crime to deface money. <laughs> he's just, like, sitting there, and he's like, oh. And then he asks if they've heard about any classified planes being flown over the Persian Gulf. And Byers is like, why would you reveal your secret planes there? That doesn't seem wise. Flying right by Iran all the time, he says. Yeah. And Mulder asks about UFOs maybe causing Gulf War syndrome, and they laugh. And they're like, Mulder, this is why we like you. Your ideas are weirder than ours. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, yeah, the Lone Gunman, um, obviously, if you know about the X-Files, you know about them probably. And I guess um, Glenn Morgan said that part of the inspiration for them was that he and Marilyn Osborne had gone to a UFO convention. Marilyn Osborne's the one who wrote the episode Shapes. And while they were at this UFO convention in 1993, there was like a table of these guys and they were spouting all kinds of weird paranoid theories. And one of them pulled out a $20 bill and did the magnetic strip like trick. And people all around the booth started pulling out their 10s and 20s and, like, ripping out the magnetic strip to see if it was there. And so, like, that was part of what inspired them. Yeah, Glenn Morgan. <laughs> it's your favorite person. Yeah. So we should specify, so Shapes is an episode we haven't done yet. Right. It's actually episode 19. It's yeah, two know. away. So, yeah, you know, I mean, Morgan. Hmm. But James Wong has a completely different story about their origin. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – it's it's not like an exciting story. He's just like, oh, we were thinking about what kind of guys could we do? And this would be, you know, it has nothing to do with going to a convention and seeing people pull out magnetic strips. Yeah, I think it could be both, though, because like when you're writing, inspiration comes from like different places. And so they could have come up with like, OK, well, we're going to make these guys kind of paranoid. And then maybe Morgan was like, oh, hey, when I was at this UFO convention, I saw that, you know, who knows? Uh, who knows? Morgan. But Morgan, if you want to come on and tell us, we would love that. Well, we wouldn't love it because I don't really want to talk to you because you'll probably just tell us shit you made up anyway. But anyway, all right. So, boom, on target for Nick and his rantiness. Back at X-Files HQ, which is Mulder and Scully's office, right? So Scully says lone gunmen are the most paranoid people she has ever met. And she's just like, they probably think they're followed everywhere. Do you see how they answered their phone? They're like, they just like, it makes them feel self-important to think that they're being tracked and da, 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 da. And like her pin, all this while she's like, her pin stopped working. And so she's like, apparently it's a, an expensive pin because she's going to get a refill for it out of her drawer. And she pulls off the old one and it's got all this electronics on the pin. And she's like, uh-huh. And she shows it to Mulder, and Mulder's like, ooh, and then we go to commercial. Yep. Yeah, so it's not paranoia if they're really after you. True. And that is some sloppy soldering work on that pen, I have to say. Yeah, There's... also, I don't know how quick that woman managed to shove that in there, because like... <laughs> oh, because you're assuming it's the same pen and they just did the inside and outside, or maybe it's, an ex maybe it's a replica, maybe they've been tracking Scully for a while. Maybe. You know who knows but yeah that's easier to swap that way if it was like similar 
but yeah, it's just a bunch of resistors with a, a whole bunch of solder. <laughs> sure how that's a transmitter, but anyway, it looks it looks like not what should be in a pen, which <laughs> yeah. So then Mulder's in his apartment and he shines his at first I thought he was looking for bugs. That'll happen later because he like unscrews this light bulb and then he puts in a new light bulb and it's like a purplish blue light. And so he leaves that on and then he falls asleep and he wakes up to a phone call and the line clicks. And then, you know, we know that's like deep throat signal, I guess. So he ends up at a park outside the Jefferson Memorial and deep throat shows up. And while they're talking, like deep throat sits down and this bulb flashes and Mulder's like, it's just a tourist, calm down. And deep throat's like, uh, in our line of work, nothing is what it seems. Anyway, Mulder tells him how they went down to investigate this truck driver and suddenly they have all these bugs planted on them and he's like, who's listening to us? And Deep Throat hands him a folder and then he's like, you're on a dangerous path, Mulder. Yeah, he offers them that he's not responsible for the bug, but that they can still hear him. Oh, yes. Is that where he he says this or does he say that later? Um, I think that might be later because I think I I I wrote that down. Oh, okay. But I don't know. There's... So much happens in this episode. There's a lot of stuff going on. This is a pretty long set of notes that we have for this episode. Yeah, this is, I think this is, word count-wise, the longest episode summary we've had so far, because it's just so much stuff. Yeah. So, and yeah, Mulder's got his sunflower seeds. Yes, he's eating his sunflower seeds on the bench. I think he does it twice in this episode, actually. It actually looks like he's picking his teeth, because you never actually see him, like, with the seed. It's always just, like, he's, like, uh, and then you see, like, him, like, flicking, like, the shell away, or, or, like, he's reaching in his pocket for some. But whenever he's actually eating them, it's always like he's just picking his teeth, because he, like, really gets in there with them. He doesn't just, like, pop them in his mouth and, like, you know, crack them and eat them. He does it, like, there. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not a fan of snacks that you have to, like, peel. Like, I love... um. What are those nuts? Pistachios. I love pistachios, but I like buying them when they're already shelled because I hate having to sit there and like pop them open. Well, that's for some people. That's part of it, though. That's that's part of like the like the like the mind thing. Is like you're sitting there and you, you crack it, you eat it, you crack it, you eat it, you crack it. Yeah. You get that pistachio that you actually have to like crack with your teeth because like it doesn't have enough for you to like separate it with your thumbs, and then you're like, oh my teeth. But anyway. <laughs> So this top secret folder apparently describes the, so it's basically it's a transcript of the opening scene that we got with the pilot in this scene, because while Mulder's reading it, we actually get the flashback. We actually get the, the actual scene itself, but they don't, they don't translate this part of it, I guess, because we already knew what he was saying. Cause in the first part they're speaking, I don't remember what the Iraqi language is. I want to say Urdu, but I think don't know if that's correct, but we actually, they're actually using possibly a real language and then we get like you know translation at the bottom of what they're saying so but we don't get that translation in this part we just get the language but he's reading it and then scully comes in and tells him the truck is bogus and so is ramheim and ranheim i'm just gonna call him ramstein and so is ramstein (laughs) is she checks the truck's manifest and it listed 108 cartons of auto parts and that it weighed 3100 pounds which seems really light, honestly. It might have been 31,000. I might have just left zero. <laughs> Whatever. But it was 31-something, and then it actually weighed at some way station that was 51-something. So, yeah, it may have been 31. I don't know. But anyway, who knows? They may have got it wrong, too. They may have just put whatever. It was 31 pounds, and then it was 51 pounds. And the truck driver said that he wasn't in the Gulf War, but he actually was. And then she's like, 
and I worked hard for this. And I'm like, okay, Scully. She's doing some deep diving. She's doing some deep dives. Just so you know, I worked hard for this, Mulder. <laughs> His name is Frank Druce, and he worked as a special operations Black Beret in Northern Iraq. And he's been to the VA hospital. Like they asked, like how long, like if you had this problem before, and he's like, no, not since last night. But apparently, he's been to the VA hospital like three times in the last year. Although we don't know what for, but he has. Maybe she has the records. Maybe that's why, because it was similar. Let's say for treatments, but yeah, maybe she has it and just didn't specify. Or maybe she didn't work as hard as she said she did. Anyway, (laughs) so Mulder is. It sounds like I hate Scully, and I don't. I just hate the way Scully is written because she's not written well. Because she's written by a bunch of dudes. So be honest uh molder tells her that four days ago an iraqi pilot shot down an object and molder thinks the truck is carrying the object that the pilot shut down and so then he sh- tells her that, like a lot of times they'll like they'll like move like secret stuff in unmarked trucks across country whatever like radioactive waste and all this kind of stuff and he shows scully the file and she's like well where'd you get this file he's like there's a guy with deep background and she's like he could be the one who's like how do we know we can trust him he could have any motive and he's like, no, like, this is a guy. I trust him. And she's like, Mulder, you're the only one I trust. And he's like, oh, he doesn't go, ah, oh, but we go, oh. And then they find out the truck is heading west towards Colorado. So they decide to pack up and go catch it. And I'm thinking, like, they flew this thing all the way from Iraq so that they could drive it across country in a truck. Like, why didn't you just fly it where you wanted to put it? I don't understand. Yeah, that's kind of a convoluted plan, unless it's because they had to, like, fly it somewhere and then like somewhere where they could like keep it off files or something and then put it in a truck where they could, I don't know. It does seem like a harder plan than just flying it wherever they meant to take it. That just seems because they're basically, they're flying it all the way to Washington. Like they, they, they started, well, we don't know where they started because this happened. Like the first thing is in Tennessee, right? So we don't know where it actually like came from. We'll find out later. There's some stuff going on in Georgia. So it may have come from Georgia and then that would make sense going through Tennessee, but it's working its way towards Washington state. So it's definitely going all the way across the country. So I'm like, why wouldn't you just fly to Washington? <laughs> At least you could, you could fly to that place in Idaho. Yeah. Ellen's air force base. Get it there. Yeah. But it's been 16 episodes of like weird stuff. And like suddenly like, Scully's pen has turned her into like a super paranoid person because she's like, We can't trust anyone. I only trust you. We can't do this. We can't do this. Like, they got beat up by MIBs in episode two, and Scully pulled a gun on a guy pretending to be a reporter. Like, they got bum rushed by the NSA in episode four. A DOD agent was had a gun on Mulder in episode seven. Like, this very same informant led them to Eve six. It's like, this is just, I don't know, it's just bad writing. Like, suddenly now she's like, oh my God, we can't trust anybody. And it's like, <laughs> episode 17, Scully, come on. Get with the program. I think maybe it's just because, like, she thinks Mulder is being his usual, like, it's aliens, paranoid self. And then, like, there's a real bug, though. And then she's like, oh, oh, she's yeah, but crap. Like, Mulder hasn't thought, like, there's something going on. And then, like, you know, men in black, like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like that kind of stuff hasn't happened, but now suddenly she's all like, oh, oh, we can't trust anybody. Oh, my God. It's like, again, and it's not, it's not Scully. It's just, it's the writing, the writing. Yeah. I mean, it's written by a bunch of dudes and Scully, unfortunately, gets all the bad stuff, it seems like. She is often used as the one who either has to give exposition or ask the exposition questions, which makes her sound like she doesn't know what's going on. It's supposed to be or- like the expert who is able to like be the skeptic 
and give us reasons why maybe this Mulder isn't correct. And so, yeah, she's got like, they, they put her in this weird duality. Yeah, can... where she trusts him, but don't, you know, and there are, you can definitely, I'm sure there's a million fanfics written about why Scully has reasons for, you know, doing all this stuff. And I could probably sit down and reason it out. But yeah, on, on it, the face of it, it can definitely be like, what are you even doing? What are you talking about? Yeah. So, so, so when it sounds like I'm hating on Scully, I'm not hating on Scully. I'm hating on the way Scully is written because she is not written well. Yeah, in this episode, I think she's kind of more a contrarian and more like flipping. I mean, I, I get it, but like, yeah, she's a little bit, a little bit quick to turn on a heel. Yeah. So Mulder gets home and he tries to turn on the light, but the power's out, which is you know always a weird feeling. And Deep Throat's in his living room. He says he cut the breaker. And Mulder's like, oh, you shouldn't be here. You're risking way too much coming to my apartment. Like, he's not coming to the apartment and slipping instructions under his door already. I mean, come on. Something's going on there. They, <laughs> Unless they have all these pre-planned meetings. Why he didn't just leave the thing there? Why he had to actually be there physically? But... Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Deep Throat's on an important mission. Don't question it. So anyway, Deep Throat's like, this is too important. There were 17 UFO sightings in Georgia, and he gives Mulder a file. And Mulder thanks him, like, sincerely, like, genuinely thanks him for putting himself at risk and helping Mulder's work. And Deep Throat kind of pauses and leaves. And in the folder, there's a photo of a UFO that looks similar to the one that was hovering over the truck driver. Yeah. Did it? I don't, the, one that looked, the one that was hovering over the truck driver was like the bottom of a sneaker, honestly. And then this one has like lights and stuff. So I don't know. But anyway, it's kind of similar. Yeah. I mean, X-Files is not consistent. I want UFOs look like either along with their aliens. So there are so many different kinds of aliens coming from so many different places. Yeah. Which uh, I'm arguing (laughs) with my wife and I'm not going to have it again. Anyway. So (laughs) shows the photo to Scully. Who's like, she's examining it with a magnifying glass. Like, I don't know. That's just something hilarious about that scene. She's all like, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, they need to get to the air base in Georgia where the down UFO is being held. And which I'm not sure if the down, UFO, well, I guess maybe the down UFO is being held there because I guess you couldn't fit a whole UFO in a truck. So they're right. Be. So it's parts he thinks they're taking, but like the rest of it's still in Georgia. I just, that just clicked in my head of like, why would it still be in Georgia? You're chasing a truck that has no, but okay. So Scully stops him and is like, Mulder, the photo's fake. And so she points out like the, the shoulder's shadow. She says that his shadow is obviously supposed to be from the lights of the UFO which I don't get how it's obvious it's supposed to be from the UFO. It could be from somewhere else. But anyway, and like Mulder's like, well, no, it could, there could be an outside light source making the shadow. And then the color of the lights don't match in the windshield. Like the reds are slightly off. And so Mulder's like, well, that's like, there's probably some tint on the windshield. And that would, you know, which is also true. But so he gets angry and he accuses Scully of being determined to find the fake. And he starts to leave and she has a little monologue about like, he's so passionate about this. And, but there are people that will use that against him. And like, the truth is out there, but so are lies. And then he's like, yeah. And then leaves. So. Yeah. Which I mean, I think she's trying to explain to him, like, I'm still on your side, buddy. I was on your side and fallen angel. I'm on your side now. I just don't want you chasing after this nonsense if it's nonsense. Like, you're wasting both of our time, and also you might be in danger. Yeah. I mean, that photo is obviously fake. I don't know that it's fake for the reason that she said it's fake. I'm looking at it, you can tell. I mean, like, the lack of distortion and, like, there's no glare overspill on the UFO in the windshield. But anyway. Yeah. 
So back in FBI headquarters, Washington, D.C., I guess this is a different day. Yeah, they keep giving us times of day, which I'm not sure why. But yeah, they keep doing that. Keep telling us like it's 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. And then like, you know, FBI headquarters. And they like every time they give us something, they tell us what time of day it is. And I'm not sure why, but. Yeah, I guess just, I don't know, because that was their thing. And then they stopped doing dates. And so they're just doing times now. <laughs> they're like, you don't need the day. They're like that Nick guy. He's so <laughs> honest. We do get one date in here, which I made note of, but it hasn't come up yet. I miss it? Oh, my God. I oh, wait, no, maybe that's the next episode. I'm sorry. That's the next episode. I've already watched that one. And we get we get one date that tells us what day it is. Okay, okay well, I'll look forward to it. I'll see if it matters. So, but- <laughs> So back at their office at FBI headquarters, it's a little bit later, the next day, I think, Scully comes in, she drops her bag on the desk, and then she goes out of the office to go get coffee. And when she comes back, the bag is lying down, even though she had set it upright. And so then she's kind of wigged out, and she's like, who moved my bag? And then Mulder comes out from the back area of the office. So he's there. So she kind of relaxes because she probably figures he messed with it or moved it. And he had the photo analyzed by computers. He said it's a really good fake, like at first it appears legitimate, but there are discrepancies that prove it's not, including like the reflection of the moon, like the moon is full, but then the reflection is like a crescent moon. So Half now moon, he, I think, and then, it's a, and then it's a quarter moon in the reflection. Right, so it doesn't match. And then also the reflection, there's no way the moon could be in that reflection because it's on the other side of the car. Right. So he's upset because Deep Throat tried to deceive them, and he also went to a lot of trouble to do so because it's a pretty good fake. Yeah, so my first thought was like, is that even Mulder? I mean, Mulder, I think, knows that people could be messing with him. I don't think he believes everything without, you know. It could be someone else. Oh, ooh. No, I mean, if you're going to get super paranoid, because he like, because I mean, because that's the thing, like when she comes in and it's like, and then you hear this voice and like he comes out of the shadows and it's so like at first she's kind of scared, but then it's like, oh, it's Mulder, fine. But then my, just like to meet with the thing is like, is it even Mulder? I mean, obviously it is, but. Ooh, but that's a creepy thought. Yeah. I'd have to say though, like the photo, all that stuff they put in the photo, like you have to intentionally put that stuff in like wrong. Like if you're going to, if you're going to go to that level of like the stuff that Mulder comes up with, with his like analysis, the, the FBI computer analysis stuff, like the moon, like the, like it's a half moon and then it's a quarter moon and then the moon's on the wrong side. And like, if you're adding that detail, either you're like super incompetent because you're not even paying attention to that or like you're intentionally doing it wrong. Yeah. Like maybe it's a job interview. Maybe they're going to see if Mulder can get some super alien level security clearance. So this is like his interview. Ooh, he can finally get that coveted level level five. Yeah, well, or maybe he needs level six. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, let's see. So then we go to, they're at an aquarium. Yay. Mulder is watching the sharks. Um, I'm not actually, I mean... I know. Aquariums are kind of like water zoos and zoos are just prisons. But anyway, Mulder is watching the sharks and Deep Throat asks why he hasn't left already for Georgia. And Mulder's like, that photo was a fake. And Deep Throat's like, oh, I'm impressed. It was that photo was prepared by a very best. And I'm like, can I have a job application, please? Because I think I can do better. <laughs> anyway, so he's like, and so like Mulder gets mad and he's like, I put my life in danger every time we speak, Mr. Mulder. And so Mulder's kind of like, oh, okay. 
dad's getting mad at me. All right, I'm gonna chill out. Okay. So, but there are still truths that should remain secret, and which is why he put Mulder on the wrong path. Because like he wants Mulder, he's trying to help Mulder, but he also thinks that there's some things that need to not be, you know, out there. And that the world's reaction to some knowledge would be too dangerous. And Mulder's like, don't you mean the outrage would be dangerous when they find out all the stuff? And he lists a bunch of examples of you know government doing stuff. Um, I was waiting and he finally says Tuskegee experiments because I was like, come on, let's just not just be all white people stuff. Right? <laughs> So then he says, like, it won't end as long as men like him get to decide what's the truth. Like, people will always be searching. And so Mulder's like, why did he even bother showing him? He's like, why did you even bother showing me the real transcript? Or I think he asked if that transcript, he's like, that transcript is real, though, right? And then he says, yes. And I'm like, well, how do you even know that would that would be way even easier to fake Mulder? Because like, all they got to do is type it out. But anyway, so Deep Throat says, like, lies are most convincing when they're hidden between two truths. And then Mulder's leaving, and Deep Throat's like, Mr. Mulder, if a shark stops swimming, he will die. Don't stop swimming. And then, oh, this is when he actually tells them they can still hear him. He's like, I'm not responsible for the bugs, but they can still hear you. Right. Okay. I jumped the gun. That's okay. It's hard because there's a lot of little, like, scenes in here where things go back and forth. This is like the Deep Throat guest starring Scully and Mulder like episode He's yeah. seen this all i will say real quickly aquariums do a lot of really great rescue and rehabilitation efforts and they're they're pretty good for the animals usually i know but i mean they would be better if we just didn't screw up their environment it would be would- that would be ideal unfortunately that's not the reality i've just i've been to like the monterey bay aquarium and the seattle aquarium and they do so much to save like just all kinds of like wildlife and the maui aquarium is like totally rescue and release like they release every animal that they can after a certain period of time, as long as it can survive in the wild. They just keep them to study them or like they track sea turtles and stuff like that and yeah. help with the birds. And but again, if we didn't mess up where they live. Right. Would... Ideally, that wouldn't be necessary. It's like there are some humans who are saving them from the other humans. And so maybe just if humans weren't involved at all, it would be better. But yeah, I get it. Yeah. So yeah. they just, I love them and they do good things. So I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Don't at me. You can at me. That's cool. Um, um, you know, hey, so I'm just, I, I like to argue the extreme because I am, you know, yes, we should, we should be helping them. We should be helping everyone who needs help, whether they be an animal or they be a human. But at the same time, they often need help because we screwed it up in the first place. And so true, 100%. We wouldn't have to like double back and then try and help. So yeah, no, that that's incredibly true. And in some cases, incredibly depressing. So anyway, Mulder searches his apartment for bugs. This is where he like does, this is what I thought he was doing when he started unscrewing the light bulb, but like now he goes at it and he basically destroys his entire apartment. Like it is trashed at the end. He's not getting that deposit back. No, I mean, well, and I don't know, maybe if he like vacuums, like, gets a carpet cleaner or something. Anyway. Um, He's like smashing his light bulbs in this one. I know. I mean, he like, he trashes it. So he looks everywhere. He practically tears the walls apart. He doesn't quite get that far. But he does unscrew all the outlets, which is one of the first places I would have checked, to be honest. So I'm not sure why that took him till the last Built-in power thing. source because you can jack into the... Right. So he's unscrewing an outlet and he does and he sees a bug and then there's a doorbell ring so he answers it and it's scully and he says oh hey scully and like kind of puts up a finger to let her know like don't really talk freely 
And he kind of walks her over and he's like, he kind of shows her the bug. And while he does, he's like, you know what? You're right, Scully. We should drop this case. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, look at this bug. And then on a piece of paper, he writes, we have to find the truck. And Scully says, I think this time you're right, Mulder. Yeah. I mean, it took her a while to answer. So that's not suspicious, but. Yeah. But what this also means is that they also know that Deep Throat visited Mulder now. Yes, they do. Which, I mean, we'll get to it at the end of the episode, but I'm not sure. Like, Deep Throat's motives are entirely suspect. Like, I don't know what side he's on. And this episode is a really great example of, like, what side is he really on? Yeah. And this bug looks a lot better than uh, the uh, the pen bug, which, going back to, like, you can jack into the power source for your transmitter, which is one reason why the whole dollar bill thing and, like, you know, injecting you with vaccine trackers doesn't work because, like, you need a power source, people. You need you need a power source. You need an antenna, and that shit doesn't work. So if you're believing, also it, you're already carrying around a phone yeah, that tracks easier. you. Yeah, so that's easier. And like, you know, I mean, and if we're if we're talking like 1993 time, like the whole dollar bill thing, like, okay, so maybe like that does like get tracked if you like. How often do you walk through a metal detector on a regular day? I mean, I guess you're right. like, oh, at the airports, right? So they know where you're traveling. Are you trying to tell me that each individual piece of money has its own signal and they know who has which dollar bill at what time? So, yeah. I mean, Yeah, it's pretty convoluted when you actually break it down. That is true of so many conspiracy theories. Like they sound so, they like, they sound like plausible. And then when you start breaking them down into how it would actually work, it totally falls apart almost every I mean, like, time. Like if we want to, if we want to, you know, digress a little bit here, like, you know, the current one is like, oh, like when the, covid vaccine comes out i'm not getting it because they're going to be putting trackers in you and it's like do you people not have pets do you know like when you get your pet chip like it's as big as a piece of rice and it's not even it can't even transmit you have to be like right it's not like they can pull the satellite up to find your cat you have to actually have the sensor like on the body to find the cat it doesn't transmit there's no power source you'd have to have an intent right. like the size of your finger to transmit to like a certain distance so like just i don't understand people yeah it wouldn't work yeah so anyway when there's a vaccine please get it please get your flu shot if you have not gotten your flu shot (laughs) this episode is all kinds of tangents so next we find they're driving through dc i say they i mean you know scully and Mulder. they're in the car together and they stop and scully gets out of the car and Mulder drives on and then there's a car that was in front of them like when they pulled over some car, other car had pulled over like in front of them. So like, you know, someone else just pulled into a parking space and someone got out of that car. And then, but the person who got out of that car is kind of looking at Scully. And then the person in that car like takes off and leaves and starts following Mulder. And so obviously they're tracking Scully and Mulder, right? So Scully notices, because they're obviously bad at their job as all people who like try and track Scully and Mulder are. And like, he's obvious that he's looking at her. So she jumps into a cab and then he tries to get a cab, but he's not able to, it drives by and he's all, Oh, and then, so Scully gets away. And then we are at Dulles airport. It's nine 16 in the morning. And this is in Washington, DC. And Scully buys two tickets, one to Chicago and she pays with her credit card. And then one to Las Vegas, but she pays for cash for that one. And the lady's like, okay. And so, and then Mulder realizes that someone's following him. So like the light turns green 
but he like turns left in front of cars. So basically like, you know, makes an illegal turn and then there's like cars between them. So the guy can't take them a while. And so Mulder's able to get away as well. And Mulder heads to the Baltimore airport. Right. So. And so then we end up in Las Vegas at the McCarran airport, which there's like slot machines going off and stuff. I've been in that airport many times and it's like the Reno airport where it's just like you hear wheel of fortune in the background, like constantly. So Scully's like browsing in one of those airport stores and kind of looking at like the, you know, whatever's on the rack. I don't even remember what it was. Magazines maybe. And Mulder shows up and they kind of are like trying to be clandestine, but like it's obvious they know each other. And they're both talking about how they made lots of calls to try and figure out the, tr- like locate the truck. And Mulder, <laughs> Mulder was using one of those air phones they used to have on planes that would like you make phone calls in the air. And he's pretty sure two Japanese businessmen like insulted him for being on the phone for three straight hours, which I get. He says, I'm pretty sure they told me to put some sushi where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyone who's on the phone like that on an, in an enclosed space like that, that would be so annoying. Well, but, you assume that there's usually, I think there's only like usually like one phone on the whole plane. And so he like used it the whole time. And of course, you know, Japanese businessmen need to be making those calls. Salary man, right? And so also- right. Ogging it was probably the problem. Um, but Scully actually found the truck, and it's heading northwest on I-90, which is a freeway I'm very familiar with because they're heading towards Seattle. Yeah. Cool. So I have to say, so we did get that she was at Dulles Airport at 9.16 a.m. Eastern Time, and then we see the plane landing at 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time. So the fastest current flight you can get going from Dulles to McCarran is five hours and 15 minutes so either that like plane like left before she was like even in her seat and that's assuming like 27 years ago the fastest flight time was the same i don't know and actually it's cheaper to fly from baltimore to mccarran <laughs> so Mulder wins Woo, we got the cheaper rate so yeah oh they should do the amazing race Mulder and scully would be a great team but yeah, so it seems like like maybe they look to make sure the times. Because at first I saw that I was like, it that's that's way too fast. Because I I know I've lived and flown across country sometimes, but I also usually like have a layover usually in Chicago. So, but there is a direct flight, and it is five hours and fifteen minutes. But like this flight took five hours and fourteen minutes, and she was like at the gate buying the ticket still at that time. So yeah, she ran. She ran to get on that plane. They didn't have like you know the what was that what the. Uh, what is that called that they they stopped using the supersonic jet what was that called the concord yeah but that was in europe anyway so ramble 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 sorry no worries the details <laughs> i wouldn't even have checked that but that was you know it's it's good to check because i'm always curious about that stuff. well you look at it, you're like two hours what two hours across the country you're like oh wait well you gotta obviously you gotta you know adjust for eastern and pacific time and so but still it's like that's only five hours because i usually when i go it's like a it's like a seven or eight hour trip which is like what the standard is basically best because usually you're doing a connector. You're not flying direct because obviously direct is, you know, more expensive. Yeah. Anyway. So then we skip a few hours, I guess seven actually, because uh, we, it was 1130 at the airport and now it's 630 Pacific time. And we're at the junction of I-90 and highway 283 in Washington. And I'm, can you get that far from Las Vegas in seven hours? Um, I mean, it depends on, I don't, I'm guessing they flew and then. Oh, maybe they, oh, maybe they flew to up there. Okay. They flew and rented a car is what I would think. It's like 12 hours to get from where I live in the central Valley to Portland. 
So and Las Vegas is further than that. So yeah, they no, no way they drove. So they yeah, had, they took a plane. Okay. okay, I did not even think about that when I was watching the episode. I thought about the flight thing, but I did not think about this thing. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, wait, how did they get to Washington? Okay, yeah. So so they're staked out the highway, and this is an actual highway junction. It I, is. I've been there because I knew I ninety, but I was like, highway twenty three is that a real highway? And it is. So Mulder's eating sunflower seeds again, obviously, and Scully's watching the road with binoculars. And Mulder says, if you think about it, like hundreds of people have passed this truck, you know, thinking that it's carrying like furniture or livestock, which like you mentioned, like, yeah, livestock is not transported in those kind of trucks. <laughs> um, sadly, sometimes migrants are, but not livestock. So no one would suspect that it was hauling a craft from another world. So he's like, oh, all these people, like they've been around like parts from UFO stuff and they had no idea. And then Scully spots the truck and they pull out to follow it. Yes. And I saw that you said that it looked like a truck that just passed. I think that was an earlier scene and it was going the opposite direction, but I think it was just a different cut of like the truck driving down the road. Yeah, maybe. I thought, yeah, that might be what it was supposed to be is like a cut of the truck. It was just weird because it looked like. Yeah, it was going from right to left on your screen. Yeah, it looked like it was <laughs> switching directions. To right, yeah. But I think it was just like it was a different because it was actually before this. It was like it was between the airport. They say we need to get Seattle and then we get like the scene of the truck driving down the road. And then we get to the scene of them sitting there waiting for it. And then we oh. so, but like I said, it was going different directions in the two scenes. So, so I, so I get that. Gotcha. Okay. So that's probably why. Cause I was like, that's the same truck. It's going the wrong direction. And then all of a sudden it's going the same direction. That makes sense yeah. though. So Scully's driving and they're following the truck and it's um, a couple hours later. It's now dark. Yeah. Mulder is passed out in the passenger seat and Scully's just like kind of wakes him up and she's like, Hey, we've been following this truck for hours and maybe the truck driver knows we're following him. And Mulder starts to say something, but then the radio goes haywire and a bright light illuminates the car, which is very reminiscent of pilot. And the car skids to a stop behind the truck and the truck is like flipped around on the road. Cause like, I don't know. So like it's front is now facing them and it's like, the back of the truck is kind of kitty corner across the road. Yeah, it's, it's it's not jackknifed, but it is like at an angle. Like it was making like a tight turn or something. Yeah. So they get out and the truck cabin's open, but Ranheim isn't there. And they run around to the back of the truck, which is also open. And so inside they start pulling away the boxes that are in the back to see what's behind them. And there's like, they finally get the boxes clear and there's like this red light. And then you see like this medical suite in the back and there's an empty gurney. And Mulder's like, oh my gosh, it was a living alien entity. And Scully's like, where did it go? And then she looks up, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> She's learning, you know. And Mulder says he thinks they just witnessed a rescue mission. Yeah. Yeah. I do have to say like, as someone who has like driven... I mean, I, have, I haven't driven these kind of trucks, but like has driven like large container trucks and has packed large container trucks. The fact that like the back, so there's space between like the doors of the back of the truck and then the, where the boxes are and like, but the boxes are still like perfectly stacked. And then they move through, they're like, they're like throwing boxes out of the truck and moving through the boxes. And then they get to this big gap in the back of the truck. And then there's this suite and like nowhere are there like straps across the back of the truck to keep the boxes from like falling. And like, there's no way those boxes would stay where they were and not have like tipped over into all the empty space in the truck. No, I mean, anyone who's ever moved with like a U-Haul knows that. 
just like yeah you've got all like no straps no nothing i was just like come on guys yeah. and all the boxes are obviously like there's some sound effects those boxes are all obviously empty boxes oh yeah tossing them around and yeah so so scully's climbed down from the truck this is another so i would normally save this note for the end of the paragraph and i'm gonna put it in right here so she's climbing down from the truck and she's like oh walter i can't stop shaking and i'm like oh my god it's like why don't you just say like hold me like this is like they're writing Scully really bad in this episode. I'm sorry. So they get all their stuff together and they start investigating and she's shaking still. And, you know, get the, I can't stop shaking. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, whatever. So if it's, she's asking if it fits the profile and Mulder has this Geiger counter, but this time his stopwatches match. So he's like, this is another hoax. And she's like, why would they do all this? Like, what could have been that light and how did the car stop? So Scully is actually like the believer here and Mulder is like playing the part of like, I'm going to explain to you how this could have happened. And like, oh, it could have been like, you know, bright lights and a stealth helicopter with some equipment we don't know about yet. And duh, 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 duh. so she's like, wouldn't it have been easier if they, and he's like, just killed us. Yeah. I thought about that too. And I think they're trying to use me against myself. Which is kind of what Scully warned him about earlier and Deep Throw also warned him about, I think, or maybe it was just Scully, but Scully definitely warned Mulder about that. Yeah. So he thinks they think I'll accept the obvious conclusion and be satisfied, but there's still one person who's never lied to us, but it's not someone we can turn to. And I'm like, what? I guess this is something maybe we'll find out later because. Yeah, I was confused too because I didn't know who he was talking about because obviously Deep Throat has lied to them. Yeah, but apparently there's still one person who's never lied to them, but it's not someone we can turn to. And so, yeah, I don't know what he means by this. Maybe we'll find out later. I have no idea. I thought it was going to be the cigarette smoking man, but then he doesn't show up in this episode, which I was very disappointed in. No. So, I mean, I don't know why he would say that either, because I don't think Mulder knows who the cigarette smoking man is, really. So, yeah, I don't know who this person is supposed to be, but it doesn't really come up, does it? No, it doesn't. Hmm. Um, because what we get in the next scene, I guess I'll, I'll hit the next scene. So in the next, because in the next scene, we think, I would think that maybe that's what they would be talking about but he right he's been on the phone talking with like you know different ufo groups nicap and mufon and the canadian group which i think is like qfon i think or something i can't and like cufos and all those groups it might be qfos yeah so like and he's been, and they've been getting like unprecedented numbers of ufo sightings recently and they turns out when you track them they're all following the path of the truck and then there was recently a cluster of seven sightings in is it Matawa? I forget how he said it. Matawa? I think it's Matawa. Washington, after last night's hoax. And so he's like, that's only 100 miles away. And he circles it on the maps. Like, he must have map money because he just buys maps and writes all over him. And so they think they need to get to Matawa. Yeah. Matawa is only 30 miles away from that junction. And at first I was like, oh, come on, people. But then I realized, like, oh, but they were following that truck for, like, several hours right we actually don't know where they're at at the moment so the 100 miles is possibly accurate right we don't know where they're at because like you can actually see that junction in the map when he circles the thing it's like just right above and then it's like 30 miles away but i was like oh wait they were driving for like several hours and so yeah they're not yeah they're not exactly where they were i'll allow it okay So in Matawa, Scully and Mulder drive around, and they've been driving around for a little bit because Scully says they've already driven through town like twice and nothing, they haven't found anything. But then they're like on this highway and they spot this like light in the woods, like kind of a little party going on. So they pull off and they stop 
and it's a UFO party and someone has a sign that says, welcome space brothers. So it's like they're having a little barbecue slash UFO party. They're drinking beer. I don't know if they're actually barbecuing anything. I would, but (laughs) they're hanging out. And so like, Mulder's like, oh, hey, what's going on? And this guy tells them that UFOs have been hovering over the power plant for the last couple nights. So they're here to like watch it. And he points to the building and next to the building, there's a big rig park next to it. Huh? It's like, okay. UFOs are like ants. They like they love power and so they follow <laughs> power lines, apparently, is what he says. So Yeah. Um, so in their car, they get back in the car and then like they head to the power plant and Mulder spots Randheim leaving the building. And it has like a big security gate and no trespassing signs. And Scully's like, this place is a pretty high level of security. Like it's a power plant, but this is a little bit over the top. And Mulder's like, this is just the kind of challenge they're looking for. And then he calls the lone gunman. Who's like, she'd say like, who's they or who are you talking about? Because he's like, yeah, she's like, who? And, you know, obviously, who else, Scully? The paranoid weirdos with their own magazine. That's right. So Langley answers. And at first Mulder's like, stop the recording. And he's like, he waits like for a second. And he's like, okay, it stopped. Because they record all their phone calls. And then Mulder's like, no, turn off the recording. And he's like, I did. It's off. But I mean, it's totally not off. (laughs) You can see it going in the background. Yeah. And so Mulder says, like, listen, if you can get me in this building, you can have the first photo of an extraterrestrial biological entity. All you have to do is falsify identification for us. Yeah. I'd have to say, like, Ram Stein. I'm going to go with that um he's wearing the exact same clothes still it's been like a few days and i realize like truckers but still that's like he's wearing although he does seem to have gotten over his rash so that's good i guess <laughs> exact same clothes same shirt same jacket everything so so then we see a printout of a security pass and it's got some names on it that i will let tori talk about after we get through this scene and Mulder and scully are in their car and the security guys ask them for the the pin numbers on the IDs and they give them the numbers and he's like, okay, open the trunk. He looks in the trunk and it's like, okay, he's putting like a sticker on their car on their windshield. I think on the inside, he's like parking lot four. And then they start to leave and he's like, wait. And they're like, <gasps> so they stop. And he's like, make sure you wear these passes at all times. So he gives them passes to wear, which right. are level five security level five, level five. Yeah, so their identities, we do see a printout of it. I actually paused and wrote everything down. So their false identities are Tom Braidwood, which we know is the guy who plays Frohickey. He's also the show's first assistant director, and um, that's also the name they used when Lauren Kite was mad at that guy that was going to paint the name. You need to not be using the same names. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was also Tom Braidwood. So Tom Braidwood, I don't know, it's a popular name for them. And the name they give Scully is Val Steffoff. And I had to f- Google her. So she was also a first assistant director on the show. Oh, Tom Braidwood. So he was going to take over Howard Graves' parking space, which may mean he was to take over Howard Graves' job, right? Yeah. The whole reason why Howard Graves was killed was because they were selling technology to terrorists. Oh, it all connects. And this guy is like got access to alien technology, Tom Braidwood. Ooh. Mm. Suspicious. That's that's kind of sus. Yeah, we might have to figure this out. Okay. So they get inside and there's a door that's labeled level six. And but there's a guard outside it, and they're like, oh, and their badges say level five, right? And so they walk past it. 
But then, like, as they walk past the hallway, the doors to get out are locked. They can't get through them. And they're like, we can't go back because that'll look suspicious. And they're like, well, there's got to be another way. We got to figure out another way. And they turn around and the guard is there. And he's like, could you follow me down this hallway, please? Mulder's like, we're just lost and we can't find our way. And to, and then Scully just like totally like Mulder and like whips out her FBI thing. It's like, we're FBI. We're doing an investigation. So she like just totally breaks the whole ruse. No, she's like, the jig is up. Let's let's just yeah. do what we can. So same result. You need to follow me down this hallway, please. And so the man starts to escort them. But then Mulder like runs and he runs through the door the guy was guarding, which is like, why wasn't that door locked? But anyway, so... And then all these soldiers come running after boom, 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 boom with assault rifles. Yeah. And the man playing this guard is Roger Cross. He has five appearances throughout the entire X-Files series. I don't think he's playing the same guard. I think it's just five different roles. I'm not 100% sure. But this is his first role on the X-Files. And we're going to watch for him because apparently he's on the show four more times. Okay. I just thought that was interesting. I was looking up names. I was looking up Val Stefoff because I was trying to figure out who she was. And then I spotted that. I was like, that's interesting. So the guards chase Mulder through the hall. And the first guard, like the guy played by Roger Cross, he just takes Scully because she didn't run. (laughs) She's just like, no, this is over. But Mulder, meanwhile, is like running down the stairwell. And he ends up in this large room. And there's this big container that has like biological hazard stickers. And there's red light inside. And it looks exactly like what you would make if you were throwing like an alien party and you wanted like an alien like autopsy suite or something like that's exactly what it looks like so Mulder stopped by guards they surround him with guns and then deep throat appears and he basically calls the guards off and he gives Mulder back his gun which i guess he had to surrender to get in which would make sense deep throat's got like a big gun he's got like a desert eagle or something it's got a bit of a barrel on it i have to say huh. so. yeah i know nothing about guns i'm just like it's a gun they're all the same i know that's not true i just i don't know <laughs> i don't know anything about them so they all look the same to me except for like the ak-47s or whatever <laughs> so deep throat nods at the window of the container which he still can't see and they're still far enough away that he can't see what's inside it and he's like i know you want to look at that but it's pointless the entity is dead And then he explains that after Roswell, most countries agreed that should an EBE, an alien entity, survive a crash such as Roswell, the country that held it would be responsible for its extermination, which is, ugh, it's awful. And then Deep Throat claims he's one of only three men who's ever done so. And he says during Vietnam, um, some of the soldiers or guys or someone found this alien entity that had crashed in Vietnam and they brought it to them. Like, I guess Deep Throat was in the higher government office or something. I don't know. He's in the CIA. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's well, I meant at, I guess in Vietnam, he was still in the CIA. And he's, then he tells a story, which is so awful. It's so awful. And he says like, I don't know, maybe the alien didn't know what a gun was or maybe it couldn't show emotion. But it just sat there with its blank, innocent face. Well, I shot it. And it's just, and it, like that has haunted him for all these years. And Deep Throat says, maybe through Mulder, someday this truth will be known. And then Mulder kind of steps forward and he like looks through the window and the gurney is empty. Yep. 
Yeah, but yeah, that story is, and like, who knows if it's true? Because at this point, Deep Throat has lied so many times. Like, who even knows if it's just total BS or whatever? But what a freaking awful story. Like, ugh. Yeah. I have to say, though, like, Mulder's good at running. Mulder's not good at jumping. <laughs> Trips over a chain, like, on a catwalk, and then, like, he's limping when he gets into the big room, which is why they're able to catch up to him. So, yeah. Good at running, not good at jumping. <laughs> I wonder if that was, like, like he was supposed to clear it and then they just kept it in like he tripped <laughs> he actually tripped over it like in real life and they were like just go with it that looked good and then so then he like you know i wonder or if that was actually like acting but maybe yeah so then deep throat and Mulder leave the room so they actually they actually leave and there's just like an outside door that goes right to that room apparently i, I know i saw that was weird anyway and deep throat's like you're very quiet mr Mulder, and he's like i'm just wondering which lie to believe and deep throat's kind of like hmm, yeah that's a good answer and uh, he didn't say that but he just kind of gets that look on his face right little little nod little little smile and then he starts to walk away and then scully's brought outside by the guard brings her out and then she watches and deep throat has walked he's been walking in the fog and then he slowly just disappears in the fog and then it's the end of the episode yeah um Deep exhale. Cleansing breath. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. Deep Throat has seriously and openly compromised himself like several times in this episode. Yeah, or has he though? Because like that's the thing. Like, is he... I mean, where where is he? Like, what side is he on? Is he... I mean, he's at a high enough level that he can call out, like... I guess, because you can't believe everything he says, but, like, he tells Mulder, like, he's not responsible for the people, for the bugs, but he knows that he's still being bugged. And we find out that, like, the bug is in Mulder's house, so whoever is listening in knows that Deep Throat was in his house. Right. So is Deep Throat in charge of all that and just screwing with Mulder to keep him close? Like, we don't know where Mulder, or, like, where Deep Throat yeah, and then- stands. Like we, he's maybe had his picture taken with Mulder, possibly, mm-hmm. and then like in front of a bunch of like officers, he just like nope, and like gives Mulder back his gun, and they walk around talking and lets Mulder leave this facility that he's obviously broken into illegally. So, yeah, yeah. So Deep Throat has motives. We have no idea what those motives are. They may not be to help Mulder in any way. We don't know. Yeah. I'd have to say, so I read something in um, the Monster of the Week book, and I like I like the phrase they use. Because remember in Fallen Angel, I was like, like, what's with Scully? Like, suddenly she's like, you know, like, first episode Scully, and just be like, no, no, no. And, like, you know, he's obviously delusional, and Mulder is like, will you please, like, just get him? I think he's been abducted. He doesn't. And I was just like, like, it's been like a total, it was like, a, it, to me, it felt like a total character flip for Scully, right? Like, she'd been kind of like, moving towards Mulder and then suddenly in Fallen Angel, she's just like flip. Right. And they mentioned that in this episode that they're basically doing the same thing that Mulder did in Fallen Angel. Yes. And yet they're like, like there's no concern trolling in this episode from Scully. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call it concern trolling like that phrase. I thought it was funny. It is funny. I wouldn't, but like, I think what it is, the difference is that there's no inquest that they have to get to where they're both going to lose their jobs. And I think that because they're like, they were investigating 
like officially in Tennessee. I think maybe it's less of a. Yeah, but they both abandoned their job to travel across the country. This is not part of their. They were. They were like in Tennessee. It was like that. That investigation's done. Like they were yeah. kicked off it. So all this stuff of like jumping in planes and flying to Las Vegas and flying to Washington and breaking into government facilities. That's not where we're FBI. We're doing an investigation. They're not doing an investigation. Right. Yeah. But there's not, all, there's also not like a hearing they have to get back to. And also they're being bugged, which I think has her freaked out. There might be. I mean, there might be. I, yeah, it's not mentioned if there is. Which I think in Fallen Angel, the whole goal was to like remind us that Scully's technical job, like the job she was given by Blevins is to basically document everything Mulder does and write it down. So they have like right justification for shutting down the X-Files. So technically she's still doing her job because she's just following Mulder. And I, I doubt she's writing all this down. Scully's in deep cover right now. She's yeah. Like, I'm, I'm totally not really paranoid. I'm just pretending to be paranoid. I mean, I think she, I think it, I think it wigged her out a little, to be honest. Like, and again, I'm talking about like, if you ignore the bad writing and just go with like, what is her in-character motivation here? I think, I think you just hit the key thing. If, if, if you ignore the bad writing. Right. But I mean, if you, which, you know, if you're in the fandom community and you're used to doing that for writing fan fiction, which I have definitely been involved in, in my life. Unfortunately, this isn't fan fiction. This is right. Actually- but I'm just saying like, as a fan, you look at the source material and you say, okay, why is Scully acting this way? If we ignore like, if we want to find in-character justification for what she's doing, regardless of whether the writing is good, like her in-character justification would be that for me in this episode, what I would come up with is that she's winged out because she's never been bugged before. And that makes her feel like Mulder's maybe onto something. Plus this guy keeps giving them tips and now it looks like he's led them on a wild goose chase. So that's kind of weird. And she's trying to support Mulder and do her job, but she's also kind of freaked out because obviously there is something going on that's a conspiracy, whatever it is. Like I said, like, there, I think there's been enough stuff that's gone on that for this to be the thing that, like, is the straw that breaks the camel's back seems kind of strange because... Oh, totally. I think, I mean, having, like, a pen with a bug in it is one thing, but, like, being accosted on this, again, going back to, like, episode two, like, having men in black basically, like, trash your car punch your partner, take your guns and steal all your evidence is something I would think would be more concerning than, Oh, someone put a bug in my pen. <laughs> if I found out someone bugged my apartment or something, I'd I mean, be like... I'm just like, I would be more concerned about my physical well being as opposed to someone listening in, which true in future physical well being, but you know, yeah, I think that would be more of a clue that something might be going on as opposed to like, Oh, I'll just, that's just, that's just the government. <laughs> Oh my god, a pen that's got a bug in it. What's going on? This is this is not right. It goes all the way to the top. Yeah. How did she know what pen I had? Yeah. And then of course the whole writing is like that realization happens as she's like ridiculing the lone gunman for being, you know, paranoid maniacs. Mm-hmm. Boom. What do we get? We get paranoid scully the rest of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally, I agree with you. I just, I think you can justify it if you work hard. You shouldn't have to, but you you can. So yeah, this episode was kind of weird. So I have to say, just in terms of, like, I'm probably, 
I was, I mean, I watched it the day after the election and I watched it on Hulu, which has commercials. And so like every time there was a commercial break or I had to pause to write something down, like I would find myself on Twitter and then I would have to like go back and rewind and like start over because like I had lost the thread and I'm like, what's going on? So <laughs> I think this episode was weird for me just in the, the way that I watched it, I think made it weirder uh-huh. than normal. But um I do love the Lone Gunmen. I was really excited to see them. Yeah, I was looking forward to them. That their scene, um, especially um, is it the the insurance salesman? Is it buyer? Is that buyers? Yeah. His last bit when they're talking about like that's why we like you, Mulder, because that totally sounded like someone just reading lines, like it wasn't well acted. Um, but yeah, maybe they couldn't get a good take. Maybe he just. Yeah. It just yeah it like like i was like i was excited to see them but then the actual the actual their actual scene itself i was a little like eh, this is a little too um yeah it's very like stereotypical what would a group of paranoid guys sit around and talk about like the whole jfk thing like it seemed a lot like that scene with Mulder and scully in the beginning where they're doing like the full-on like it could be this. Well, no, it could be this. It could be this. It could, and just going through their, their individual checklist of like skeptic and believer. And it seemed like this scene also just went through that checklist of like, let's list off a bunch of conspiracies that we believe in just to give that, like, these are who these guys are. So I think that's what it, it, it was that intro scene. And so I just don't think those were either of those were played well, personally for me. That makes sense. They have that same vibe of like, let's just put all our cards on the table and, yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing them more as the series progresses and i'm glad they come back yeah because in the next scene, even though very short and only with one of them the next scene was actually good right with like turn off the tape recorder okay no turn it off and he's like i mean he and he never does i think that when he's like it's off but like it isn't off your part is that he says it's off and it's not and then Mulder just like okay let me tell you all the stuff so (laughs) yeah I did notice so in that one everything was already on when he answered the phone. He didn't actually like when he first, when he answered the phone when they're there, he like turns on the thing and puts the the thing on the receiver and starts talking. So he like sets it up before he answers, where in this one all the stuff was already running. So Yeah. But I guess just to for economy, right? You don't want to have to show all that stuff again. You already did it once, so. Right. Yeah, this episode was weird. It was very like, it, it just, it, there's a lot that happens. Like, it's very go, 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 go. And obviously, they're chasing a truck all the way, you know, across the country. And it's just a lot of running around. But I guess we can talk about ratings. Okay. I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah. So, again, I watched it in kind of a weird headspace. It was day after the election so i was like checking twitter a lot and trying not to check twitter and then checking twitter anyway which was not a great system and then i was going back to the episode and i watched it like it usually takes me like an hour to watch an episode and then maybe i'll go back to take notes or something it took me like three hours to get through this partly because of the twitter breaks so i don't think i (laughs) maybe be taking twitter breaks um just recommendation no, I normally wouldn't. It's just because of it. I just couldn't stay away from the news. So anyway, I don't know how, you know, it was kind of, it felt more disjointed to me, I think, than the episode probably actually feels, mm-hmm. is my point. But maybe not. 
<laughs> Maybe not. Uh, I think I like the lone gunman. I don't. I don't think the setup is bad, and I, I like the idea that like Deep Throat screwing with Mulder, and that like there's all these little traps he keeps falling into, like following this trail, and like he's never going to get to the end of it because Deep Throat's like five steps ahead. I'm not sure what the. I mean, obviously Mulder caught onto this himself because he knew about the truck driver. I'm, I'm not really sure what the point is. It does, like Scully says, it's a lot of effort to go through to like mislead people. But I do agree that maybe they were hoping he would take the bait, believe the setup, and then go spread that everywhere, and then people could debunk it. Um, I'm gonna go with a six. I think I gave Deep Throat a five. I feel like because of the lone gunman, this gets knocked up a notch. So I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Well, I'm going to be short and sweet. I'm giving it a four. Okay. So I think there was a, I think, I don't know. It was, I think this was supposed to be the big like conspiracy episode, which makes sense because we got the whole lone gunman thing. And so it's just like layers like what's true, what's true, what's true in my head. When I saw that this was EBE, I was thinking like, oh, I remember this being a good episode. I think possibly I'm thinking of a different episode. You might be thinking of the Erlenmeyer flask. I might be thinking about the season ender. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, then again, I knew that I knew this episode also had the lone gunman in it. So I was like, Oh, and just like, you know, I know they're kind of like, they're, they're, they're kind of treated as like the comedic relief in the show. So like usually it's entertaining to have them there, but yeah, I'm going to give it a four Uh, for much of the same reasons. I usually give fours is that I think there was potential here. And then I think they just squandered it. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there was a lot more potential. Maybe try to do too much in an episode. Thankfully, in this one, they didn't try to do maybe too much special effects wise. Some of the UF the the one UFO shot like over the truck, like I'm not sure about that. Like to me, it looked like a the big like the tread of a sneaker over the truck. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Really dark and everything. <laughs> So, but like they, it wasn't usually they try to do too much or they, you know, they try and tack too much on at the end of an episode, you know, like, it's like, just stop, like, don't show all the rest of the stuff, just stop at a certain point. And they didn't do that here. I think they just tried to do too much in, which is why our show notes for this episode are so long. It's so long. It was so much. I think that's why part of the reason it took me so long too, because like, yeah, there was just so much to go through that I had to like, make sure I wasn't missing stuff. You know what? I'm gonna give it a five. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back and give it a five. Oh, my debate skills are Yeah, well it's not just you, but like I mean it is. You're making really good points. But also I was just thinking, like, I gave Deep Throat a five. I feel like this is kind of on par with Deep Throat for me. Like it's kind of a similar energy. Sadly again, and I hinted at that, like we don't get any, like, you know, like with Ramstein, like he has like that radiation burn kind of action going on or something going on where he's got like, you know, like a rash. But then, like, when we see him later, he's totally fine, and he's wearing the same clothes. We're assuming it's the same guy. Ooh. Um, I'm going to keep with that. I'm going to go with that. That's going to be my thing now. For well, I think that's a thing in later seasons, so. Episodes, yeah. But, yeah, it's like, again, we don't get any, like, again, that would be, you know, like, that was my big thing with Budahas. Like, we never we never find out what was wrong with Budahas. We just, like, something happens, and then he comes back, and he's kind of weird, and we're supposed to believe that, like, they're wiping their minds, right? Because the same thing happens to Mulder. But, like, I kind of want to know, like, why was he all red and scaby looking when they found him? Like, <laughs> right. right? <laughs> so, 
Yeah. I know. Did he like steal some like aircraft that he wasn't supposed to, or was he just in proximity to something? Because like they're talking about like, oh, maybe it's, you know, it's, I guess in a way this is like Deep Throat Part Two, sort of. But like, you know, like is the mental stuff and why he had the breakdown? Is it because like just trying to fly craft that can behave like that, right? Because we see the lights of how they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff and like all the G forces and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, I mean, G forces don't make you break out and like have your skin basically peeling off. Right. So like, why is he like that? Is it from the radiation from the technology they're using? Like what's going on? And like, I'm interested in that. And this guy is like, he's transporting parts of a UFO. And for some reason he suddenly has like a cough and a rash. And then we're like, well, is it from that? Or is it his Gulf War syndrome? Like, we don't know. Like, I'm not even sure why they put that whole part in about the Gulf War syndrome. Unless this is like, but whatever, it was 1993. So let's use it. I guess 1994 in this case. But uh, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff like they just had so much in there, but then they didn't really do anything with almost any of it. Right. It just became like a chase the truck. And also we're being bugged everywhere. And also Deep Throat keeps handing me folders full of lies. Yeah. And he a lot in this episode. There's a, I mean, he like tricking Mulder is like a full time job for him at this point. What else is he doing at the CIA? I don't know. And for someone who like doesn't want to be noticed ever being with Mr. Mulder, he's like just in this episode, he's like just constantly with him. Yeah. I'll be interested because I don't really remember a whole bunch about Deep Throat's alignment, but I think he I, I won't speculate because I don't remember. But I am curious to see when the cigarette smoking man comes back and like what their dynamic is between the two of them. Yeah. I mean I don't know, because I don't know what Deep Throat's role is in the government. Obviously, he wants to keep an eye on Mulder. He said that. He said, keep your enemies closer. Like, he wants Mulder somewhere where he can, like, rein him in, which is, I guess, what he's doing in this episode. He starts to investigate this trucker, and Deep Throat's like, let me send him on this wild scavenger hunt that'll take him all week. And, like, it's just a lot of work. And then, like, his rationale for it is, like, I'm trying to atone for what I did, but at the same time, you're looking at these secrets but i can't let you show these secrets but i want you to find them but you can't tell anybody about like you can't have proof and keep your mind also i'm apparently still doing it because i'm involved in this whole thing to kill these alien entities anyway so i haven't changed anyhow and it, like he says like it's dead well is he is he telling the truth was it was it dead and then what happened to the body did was it like a rescue mission because like we we get i mean like that was my first thought was like when the thing crashed like in the very first scene like the dude you know the the iraqi pilot shoots it and it like there's an explosion and then we have the crash in turkey and then they see like you know the soldiers go to check it out and they see that you know it's crashed in the woods and then the last thing we see is actually just like the other light like hovering in the sky and it's like oh my god they got bob like you know kind of thing like that's his buddy and so now he's like tracking his buddy across like the globe through like Tennessee and all the way to Washington. And so like, did he get Bob back? I'm giving, I'm naming the alien Bob here. <laughs> did it was Bob dead? Was Bob alive? Like, what do we, what do we know? Yeah. I mean, like going around killing aliens who have traveled across like the galaxy or the solar system to get here is like when you meet them, just killing them. Is that, really the best plan right i mean that's part of what's so awful about it is like like 
why? Like, don't you want to know stuff? Like, I don't know. It just seems like a bad idea. Their friends are going to like that when you do that to them? <laughs> like, okay. Um, but yeah. This is a myth arc episode. Yes. So the last one was Fallen Angel. And then this is, and we have one more, which is the early Meyer flask, which you mentioned. That's the last episode of the season. Right. It's a season for so we have, we have five myth arc episodes this season. Pilot, Deep Throat, Fallen Angel, EBE, and the Erlen Meyer flask. Yeah. Also, I'm just curious. I think then. So, also, I was just thinking about this the other day, but like, so Cigarette Smoking Man wasn't in this episode. (laughs) So, I think maybe at Young at Heart, maybe they did have some like plan for him, like some scene that either didn't get filmed or didn't make it into the show. And that's why he just has that weird cameo where it's not even really him. And I'm wondering if, because he wasn't on set for this episode, obviously, we know that because he's not in it. So who knows? Like, maybe they had something planned for that episode that just fell through. And that's why we only see the actor for, like, five seconds. Dude, come down. We need a body. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it is funny. So this is um, at the convention I went to, and I know he said this in an interview since then. But one of the stories he told was that he had quit smoking before he got the role of the cigarette smoking man. Mm. And so... Chris Carter was like, oh, that's okay. We can use like herbal cigarettes or whatever. You don't have to really smoke. We have ways to like do that. He's like, no, no. I mean, I can handle it. It's just for the show. And then as filming progressed, like as they did more and more episodes, he started noticing that he would be like calling Chris Carter going, hey, when when do you need me again? Because he was having like cigarette cravings. And um, obviously like he doesn't really start to appear as a regular in this season. So that must be like season two. The convention was in 96. So it was after, it was like season three-ish. So he is a Canadian actor. Yeah. So maybe he does live. Yeah. It's happened to be around. Maybe they just needed someone there. Yeah. So who knows? He was apparently born in Toronto. I don't know where he was living at the time X-Files was being filmed, but he, he is, he is a Canadian. So. Yeah. Anyway, so that maybe clears up a little bit of that from the last episode because he wasn't in this one. So that's not what was going on. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That we, that was our, uh, rationale for him in his uh not necessarily in character cameo right for his just being on set like if you did not see his name in the credits there is no way you would know that was him no because all you see is the top of a person's head with dark hair and they're wearing a black suit right so yeah i don't know what was up with that but i don't know maybe chris carter will tell us chris call us or Glenn Morgan will accept the answer from you. No, I don't want to talk to Glenn Morgan. I'll talk to you. I, I still like you, Glenn. <laughs> Do you know, have you, have you, are you aware of some of Glenn Morgan's other credits? I am not. I have not looked it up. I want to look that up before you start giving him the fanboy action. That's fan action, I guess I should say. So. Yeah. It's not a fangirl. I just, you know. The Glenn Morgan apologist of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, someone's got to be. I mean, yeah, we're definitely sides on the. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely have camped our little flags on the Glenn Morgan part of the podcast. <laughs> anyway, for more exciting discussion about the writers on the show, I guess next week we will be talking about. I keep wanting to say Young at Heart is next week, and we, that's last week. I don't know why that's stuck in my head. Ooh, time dilation. Yeah. So next week is Miracle Man. Yeah, we don't get to talk about Glenn Morgan, hopefully, again, until uh, episode 21. So We'll get a little break. Yeah. All right, so the Miracle Man is next. Well, that right. ends tonight's discussion of EBE. Have a pleasant evening. <laughs> and remember, deep breaths 
cleansing breaths. Meditation with Nick. Yes, and then we'll do the closing credits. Should we do the closing credits in 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 ASMR? <laughs> I want to rewatch. It's hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazian Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the Agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. And you should definitely check out our show notes. Every episode has show notes that include a short summary, our research materials, and how to contact us online. I can't even do that. Like, if I think about it, it doesn't even work for me. I can't even make that happen. You can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like The X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. That sounds so creepy. We'd love to have them join us. Join us. Join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 18, Miracle Man. And try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is still out there. next episode i should just start the credits with like she's tori and people will be like no welcome to miracle man today we're going to talk about the episode of the x-files known as miracle man <laughs> miracle man miracle man oh dear okay yeah oh man i got confused back before oh my god i'm sorry my cat just jumped on the table and then like fell off he like didn't jump all the way and so he didn't even do it right billy what the hell, buddy?